listening to episode 291 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we tackle the penultimate episode of the Netflix horror series, The Haunting of Hill House. And stuff's picking up for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. A lot of, a lot of plot things going on, questions answered, um, but yet other mysteries abound. Yeah, and you almost wonder how they're going to wrap it up in one more episode, but we will find that out shortly. Yep. So, so all right. Exactly. So you in almost one episode. Right now, you almost got uh, two hours late today, but uh, was not to be apparently. Yeah, not to be. I, I, yeah, I mean the roads were fine, and everything, but you know, last night it sucked. And I'm like, oh, we're getting a delay for sure, but. Yeah, it actually wouldn't have mattered one bit for me because uh, my wife had a interview this morning at American University, which is not near where we live at all and requires traveling in D.C. traffic, which is never a good thing. Um, so I had to help get kids off to school and everything. So it was, uh, wouldn't have mattered. I would have had to get up at the normal time anyway. So Yeah, my gosh, that's a close to an hour drive if there are no other vehicles on the road right and i think it took her almost two hours to get yeah. there so wow so all right well uh i want to return to what we said last week about our patreon account and our patrons and you know we've mentioned our patreon account that exists to help defray the costs of producing sci-fi tv rewatch and you know if you're interested in becoming a patron you can go to our website and there's a link over on the right-hand side of the page, or you can go to patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch. But what we mentioned last week we're going to do for our patrons is give you guys the opportunity to suggest an episode of any show, any season, and Wayne and I will cover that. And so far, we've only heard from one of our patrons, and I think if you were betting in Vegas, you'd know who that is. <laughs> you're betting in vegas we wouldn't be taking your money well that's true but uh, i'm not gonna mention what episode or what show fred has suggested we cover we'll mention that later but uh you know so if you are a patron send us an email at sci-fi tv rewatch.com and, and you know we'd love to cover whatever show whatever episode you'd like us to cover all right and in terms of contacting us, for whatever reason, as we said, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can also go to the website and leave a voicemail using the Leave Voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip the way Fred does each week and send it to us as an attachment. Tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. As we said, nobody ever does. And truthfully, we'd encourage you, if you do none of the above, join the Facebook group and get into the discussions there because there's some good stuff going on. So, all right, I got one news item this week, and I don't know if you know about this or not. You may have crossed Probably your not. path. Steven Spielberg versus Netflix. You know what I'm oh, talking about? I thought you were going to say Luke Perry died. No, well, that true. Um <laughs> You know, and, and uh, yeah, God, 52 years old. But I know. Anyway, uh, right? S- Spielberg is pissed off that Netflix movies are eligible for the Academy Awards. 
So he's petitioning the Oscars to prevent Netflix films like Roma from yeah. being considered. Why? What's up his butt, man? Well, he, you know, let me let me rephrase that. What is bothering Mr. Spielberg that so much? Well, I guess he sees it as a streaming versus cinema experience uh, point, and he sees Dude, those as have you two. Seen my home setup? Well, I I hear you. Big screen versus small screen, because obviously a lot of people watch Netflix on their laptops. And, and you know, you and I do probably both. And I would think most people do both. But, yeah, as you said, it's not uncommon to have a 40, 50, 60 inch setup with a nice sound system in your home. And, and you don't have to worry about the guy texting his girlfriend sitting two seats down from you so that's going to be something interesting to watch whether spielberg wields enough clout to make that happen i would suggest maybe he doesn't and i think he's wrong i i totally think he's wrong um i mean who cares i mean a movie is a movie right like that's what i say doesn't yeah um and if you make a good one and they decide to make it accessible to people rather than having it in the multiplex where you have to mortgage your house in order to take your family to the movies, then I'm all for that. Yeah. yeah. I just don't see his side of the argument. But, you know, hey, no, that's probably something all. that would be interesting to get a discussion going on the Facebook group. So maybe I'll start sure. one or if somebody beats me to it. All right. Tip of the week. Why don't you go first this time? Okay. Well, I hope I'm not taking yours. Uh, you and Mike just talked about this on Sci-Fi Fidelity. Um, and, I, I, you know, Facebook, we were messaging before early in the week. I told you I was obsessed with this show already. But uh, the Umbrella Academy is my pick of the week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you just an outstanding. St- no, no. Just an outstanding show, although I was afraid you were going to pick when you hear mine, you'll understand why I was afraid you might pick this one as well. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about the Umbrella Academy here and there, and, and it is just it's just really a great show. And yeah. if you haven't seen it, check it out. I mean, everybody yeah, has it was, Netflix. It was awesome, and yeah, right, you have Netflix, right? But um, funny how so much of what we talk about in the show called boils down to Netflix, you know. There were times it got kind of like, I know what I think annoys you about Preacher is some of the cartoonish violence that is just super violent. And, you know, I think there were, were some times where they, you know, the only, the only part that I remember of, of it that I wasn't totally in love with was sometimes I'm like, you know what, I just, I feel like, and not so much that I don't like that stuff, but it's just that it seemed like it was too like you know derivative um of, of other shows like preacher and legion that have taken comic books and have brought them to the small screen um and a big part of which is the 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 over the top violence that almost has these cartoonish slash silly elements of it you know like the two like the two uh hit people walking around with the big like cartoon heads on as <laughs> right. Hazel and cha-cha. Yeah. Like what's that about? You know, 
Right. But otherwise, uh, it was awesome. Uh, I would highly suggest to listen to Dave and Mike's uh, Sci-Fi Fidelity podcast, to hear them talk about it. They did a really great job. Uh, it was just, yeah, just loved it. Good. Cool. I, I binged it in like three days, of course. Cool. All right, well, mine, and on the one hand, I had to check myself to recommend something that would require you to get another streaming service, and, and I was able, you know, through uh, Den of Geek to get a, a look at the first few episodes, and that is DC Universe's Doom Patrol. And I know you're going to get a chance to check out the episodes right. that I looked at uh, as well. I know you just haven't yet because you've been – finishing up umbrella yep. academy correct but ordinarily i'm not a dc guy anymore but i gotta tell you i'm i don't want to say i'm fed up with marvel but I, i'm just kind of marveled out Ooh. and right before I, captain marvel comes out come on, i have man. no i have no desire to see that dude you haven't I, seen I, I know. you haven't seen any of these movies you haven't like you haven't seen you've, you just saw the first avengers movie right no 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 i've seen I've seen you've the seen Avengers all the Avengers, movies. all the yeah, Captain America I, movies, yeah, and Thor. You seen Thor Ragnarok? I have, and uh, okay, yeah. So, so I've seen a lot of them. I've seen, okay, you know, I think you just there, still I, haven't I, seen Deadpool yet, though. I think I read there are twenty. I've probably seen maybe thirteen of them at okay. this point, and I am looking forward to Agents of Shield when it returns in May. But just a little marvelled out. So anyway. Doom Patrol features an unlikely set of superheroes that are thrown together under the watchful eye of the chief, played by Timothy Dalton, who is just Ooh. fantastic. So we've got Elastigirl, who is a former 50s actress, played by April Bowlby, and her superpower, she's just this big blob, and it, it's like when she gets stressed out, she just turns from, you know, an attractive actress in her early 30s to this just big blob of whatever. <laughs> and what she actually can do at this point is not exactly clear. Uh, Crazy Jane, played by Diane Guerrero, she's got 64, I believe it's 64, separate personalities, each with its own power. Wow. Larry Trainer negative man he was a test pilot and he was you know involved in a crash and that's how he got his powers played by matt bomer cliff Steele, aka robot man who was an indie car driver uh, ended up it's not exactly clear which crash because we're presented at several car accidents in, in which he meets his somewhat of a demise but he is played by brendan frazier really yeah there's cyborg aka victor whose father works for star labs played by jovian wade and and basically victor's involved in in you know again some sort of accident and his father puts him back together at star labs and he is of course uh cyborg yeah and then the there's this league movie and then there's eric morden aka mr nobody who is essentially the antagonist of the first few episodes also the narrator and i know you hate voiceovers but once you see it dude played by alan tudyk oh nice wow so, that's right. some good so, cast there 
Right. So if you can handle a voiceover, yeah. I know you'll cut Alan Tudyk some slack. But it's got a lighter touch than the darkness that surrounds so much of the DC universe. Definitely has a retro feel to it. Now you you know you mentioned the violence in, in those shows you were mentioning, and and there's some of that in in this as well. But I don't want to call it a comedy. It's not a comedy, but it is funny in spots, mm-hmm. and it is definitely you know these you know misfits. I mean, it's almost like the island of misfit superheroes, right? That are that are thrown together under the tutelage of the chief so if you have access to dc universe's streaming service check out doom patrol i think you'll find it you know pretty enjoyable and 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 i I just be interested to hear what people think about it so okay all right well let's move on to the haunting of hill house the penultimate episode episode nine of season one screaming memes written by meredith averill who wrote 105 bent neck lady Directed, as always, by Mike Flanagan. Um, dude, this is a really good episode. I'm going to go straight A. I don't know about you. Yeah, you know, I'm, I am I have some objections to it, um, one of which uh, Fred kind of will share at the end. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to reserve my grade for now. I'm thinking like A-. minus. There's just some elements of this i just did not care for okay okay fair enough and and if you've been listening to sci-fi tv rewatch for any length of time you know this often happens and it could go either way we raise our grade we lower our grade once in a while we actually stay the same but uh, clearly this is an olivia centric episode yeah as she struggles to differentiate between reality and her dreams and i guess the beauty here is that we aren't sure yeah we in a lot of cases yeah because so much of what's happened in this show has been surreal um or supernatural and but it's not a dream like take the mold for example well well yeah and and certainly the mold as a metaphor for the decay that is eating away at the crane family is is something that i really like but but again what's the deal with that does is the mold really there i mean i guess we would have to say it is because hugh has had other workmen in to survey it but you know in this episode he goes down or he pulls the plastic away and he's like what the hell because they've had that big fan going on and everything like there, there's just there's no way you know yeah. um it says as i believe that's what he actually says too um you know and like the luke lighting up the house but it doesn't you know it doesn't catch on fire the gas right I mean, it's just things that are happening here that are uh beyond the realm of normal you know human experience in this world and uh and we so we don't know like like you said we don't know just like olivia is not sure what's real and what's her imagination or what's a dream or she, i don't even think she's even thinking that she's being manipulated by some kind of spirit or anything i think she's just struggling with knowing trying to figure out what's in her mind and what's actually happening right and we've talked a number of times about the supernatural versus 
the intellectual aspect of the show and and what's in the individual's mind as opposed to the supernatural reality if you want to call it that i mean obviously the house affects her more than the others and and i guess we could say that it affects the twins next and i don't necessarily know why that might be i mean i mean would you agree with that assessment yeah oh yeah absolutely I mean, any thoughts um, on wh- why it affects Luke and Nell? I, I, I don't think I could say for Olivia, but for the kids, you know, I mean, there's a, a child's brain is like, you know, physically so much more malleable. You know, it's just, you, and you're, a kid is much more, um, I guess, acceptant of strange things because they're just trying to, fi- you know, they, like Olivia, are trying to figure out what's real, what's you know what's the world like so yeah i mean my my theory of, of with the kids is just because kids are naturally just more have more malleable brains more acceptant personalities i think yeah and you know one of the things that that we experience in this episode are her interactions with her children and of course we have to determine whether they're real or imagined and except for the final tea party scene it's and even that, at certain points, we're, we're still not exactly sure. And, you know, she mentions whether or not it's a dream and can they wake up and all of that. And, and, and you know, the whole mass murder, suicide situation that seems to be going on there. But I want to bring up what I'll call Wayne's Traveler's Assessment. Okay. And, and that applies to... Olivia telling Hugh that the headaches are almost constant now. Now, if your wife tells you, you know, that, you know, she has migraines, that she tells you that they are almost constant now with everything else that's been going on. I don't know about you. And I say that rhetorically, I'm going to think, oh my God, I wonder if she has a tumor or, you know, something that's causing these delusional episodes. We got to get you to a neurologist right away yeah and, and, and that doesn't happen the west coast right and, <laughs> and that doesn't happen at all so right right i i i don't understand i mean i i get from a narrative <laughs> standpoint that it doesn't help the story if uh you know we take a side visit to doctor or you sure. know maybe it could but at the end of the day and and it comes out i think in that conversation she has with mrs dudley i mean is this really about olivia's fear of her children growing up and going into the world i mean can it be something as simple as that just a mother's fear that her kids are going to be okay right and so here's like what i both both what i think is the a big plus and a big negative um you know, paradoxically, is kind of the same thing. In the one hand, this episode was thematically very unified. Like, almost every scene is some way of Olivia reflecting on her fear of her kids going out into the real world, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The bad thing is, though, I think... It's a little overdone, and I think they they kind of 
the, they could have just had it said like once or twice or something, but it's really like almost every scene with her is all about this same fear. Of course, part of it is, you know, Poppy, who we assume represents the house, is kind of attacking Olivia's, you know, weak point. Like, you know, her, her big weakness is, is this irrational fear. Well, I shouldn't say irrational. I mean, it's, it's a fear every parent has of, of every kid. And, well, even as teachers, like, we still feel this way about the kids we teach. You know, like, you know, we're trying we, – they're safe and protected here. But when they leave here, they're going to be on their own. Well, we have – well, most parents and, and, and teachers then – are concerned with preparing the kids, Olivia comes to the conclusion that I'm going to prevent them from going out in the world. That's how I, you know, guarantee that they'll be safe. Well, right. And that's the beauty of the exchange that she has with Mrs. Dudley, who, who also tells her, don't you dare let anybody tell you you shouldn't have those worries and concerns they're your children you know you have every right to those feelings but it it also brings up abigail and for you know the the run of the series we've assumed that abigail is in fact a product of luke's imagination or a ghost or a ghost but it turns out that she may at this point be real and yeah i'm pretty sure she's real and you know we see her through olivia's eyes you know when she goes into the twins bedroom for the tea party but we're seeing her through olivia's eyes so we're not a hundred percent ready to accept that she's real her clothes are old she lives in the woods which you know on the one hand is is probably not true but uh, you know, let's go ahead and jump to that scene with Mrs. Dudley, and I think we're going to end up going chronologically tonight. It just seems to be the, I think, the best way to approach this episode. And we see that scene where Mrs. Dudley's cleaning up the broken glass the morning after that that violent storm, and Olivia starts relating that story from her childhood after her dad had been killed in that car accident, mm-hmm. and she tells that story about how her grief finally coming to the surface and her ability to finally let it out seems to coincide with this violent storm in which small black rocks pelt the house. And that as her sobbing increased, so did the hail of rocks. And I love Mrs. Dudley. Yeah. That kind of thing happens in revelations as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, but this wasn't the end of the world, was it? So, no. I mean, what do you what do you make of that conversation? It, it could be one of two things: either to show how Olivia is really, really gone off the deep end, is just completely barking mad, or she has some kind of you know predisposition to the supernatural that, as we talked about before, is making her vulnerable to the attacks from the house when daddy died i made it rain rocks so i made it rain rocks i mean does she think she causes the storm at hill house and uh, it yeah, seems uh, like she does yeah right right and i would say how do we explain it but i th- i think you just did i mean we it's one or the other um, 
Yeah. So what, whether we go and with she, a supernatural. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. She said she slept through the storm. Um, obviously, we know she didn't. So was she insensate that whole time the storm was going on? Um, you know, I thought it was Mrs. Dudley that said it, but I could be wrong. Well, they both did. No, well, oh, okay. Miss Dudley said, like, oh, like, um, I, who, who says it? I can't. I was just going to say, after last week, I'm, I'm afraid <laughs> to say I'm yeah. sure about anything. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, Miss Dudley said she slept through it, and Olivia says, well, I did too. Oh, okay. Okay. So she's so, either lying or she doesn't recall anything. Yeah, and about, I think the latter is probably more right. accurate, that she just doesn't remember it. So she goes into her reading room, and, and it appears that a migraine is coming on. She goes down to the kitchen, and of course we notice that she passes the man working on the clock, and we talked mm-hmm. about him last week from the discussion between Stephen and his father. And she's faced with, again, I'm sure, I'm sure you faced this, I would say hundreds, maybe even thousands of times, you know, two of the kids arguing over something stupid. And, and again, I just love, you know, she just, no, you can't give her clothes to Abigail. End of story. And, uh, but that point that uh, Luke makes that her clothes are old and not as cool as Shirley's, which, of course, everything we've seen in the house in terms of ghosts are ghosts from the 20s and, you know, maybe beyond. So, that sort of lends credence to the fact that Abigail is a ghost of the house mm-hmm. at, at this point. Her, the mother tells them to work it out and she'll be in her reading room. And Luke says to Shirley, which room is her reading room? Right. So again, more hints. And, and you know, one of the things that, that we do get out of this episode and the last episode, things about the red room, are starting to piece themselves together. And certainly this is one clue that we have to keep an eye on. So she returns to her reading room, instead suddenly finds herself in a morgue, two metal slabs, one of which rests Nell's dead body, Luke dead on the floor. Both are adults, which is, are obviously ages that she never saw them. And I guess you could argue, and and she even, when she's relating this incident to Hugh, she brings that up that, uh, you know, I'm their mother. I I knew it was them. And yeah, I don't know about that. But I, well, I guess if in her mind, this is, I get, well, once again, we don't know whether this is, I mean, well, obviously it's not happening any kind of, level of reality but is she you know is she sleeping this is a nightmare or is she having these hallucinations right right? so if actually in either of those cases you're gonna have a feeling that you know because it's your dream or your hallucination so you're gonna know that the people are your kids right Uh, yeah i would think i mean as part of the dream right sequence but while she's in that state, and again, we could argue she sat down at the in the chair in her reading room, fell asleep, and this is just a, a vivid, horrible dream. But in the dream, Nell rises, has to take some pliers because I guess Ugh. they wire your mouth shut. Ugh. 
And I was then, just like, no, 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 no. Right. And, and then cries for her mother before yeah. the room turns back to the reading room. But that sort of reinforces what we perceive to be Olivia's fear of her children going alone into this dark world and, and here her her baby is crying for her mother and it's almost like see i know you need me but i'm powerless to help you at this point again you know we obviously we we are well beyond trying to explain these things through science or psychology and we're we're i'm pretty sure we're at the same boat here right that we both it is like completely supernatural things going on because you know like her idea of what the kids look like when they're older is what they look like when when they're older and that is the morgue where nell was laid out the right. thing about luke we don't know what the deal is with that though that could be his current situation as the last thing we saw with luke he was getting you know hit over the back of the head right Sure, sure. And, and uh, I forget who mentions, you know, seeing him with a needle in his arm, but uh, but she wakes up, you know, she's in bed with Hugh. She wakes up and thinks she hears somebody in the hallway. Dude, I am a light sleeper. So just for the record, my wife can sleep through anything, but yeah. I got to tell you, if I'm shaking her that I think there's somebody in the house, she's going to wake up. So right. I, I think that just, again, lends credence, I guess, to the fact that she's still dreaming. But we see Poppy Hill enter the bedroom, beckon Olivia to come with her. And, and, you know, they go to the reading room and she tells her, ah, you know, I love what you've done with it. It was a dressing room for me and then a nursery. And you know, like the conversation she's going to have in a, in a little bit with Mrs. Dudley and, and has already had to some extent, they start talking about shared dreams of their children. And Poppy seems to imply that she's got two children or had two children, a daughter and a son. I mean, do you get the idea that, that both of them died in some mm-hmm. unexplained way? Yeah, or, you know, I mean, it just, you know, but the, of course, at the end of it, she's like, oh, but it was just a dream. You know? Yeah, and and uh, they were tucked away in their beds. But I guess given everything we've seen, it almost sounded like she was describing that her daughter drowned. But given everything we see throughout the episode, I, I start thinking, well, did she kill her own children? I mean, we know she met her husband in an insane asylum. So. Correct. I, I I wonder what exactly happened here. I mean, that, you know, you're bringing up the fact that maybe they had some sort of a, you know, genetic disposition that that led to their mm-hmm. premature deaths, and and I guess that's certainly possible. But yeah, or you know, I mean, it could be a, a million different things, but you certainly get the idea that she really did lose two right. children. Even though she kind of backpedals at the end of it, saying, "Oh, but it was just a dream," and they were still in their beds and everything. Um, but but also, I mean, look at the what is kind of thematically going on here, where you know basically Poppy is convincing Olivia that in order to 
save the children from the horrors of the outside world, she needs to kill them. Exactly. But she uses... uses, Go ahead. No, so I'm just saying, so maybe Poppy killed her own kids. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Now, granted, she uses the metaphor of waking them from horrible dreams as a means of saving them, but, but as you say, what she's really saying is the way to protect your children from the world is to never let them enter it in the first place which is not the point of parenting right now we we see her whisper something in olivia's ear and Mm -hmm. i I don't creepy i don't think we're meant to really know but Hugh wakes to find Olivia holding a screwdriver to his throat. So you wonder. Which we saw before, right? Exactly. So does Poppy suggest that she kill her husband? Which. Maybe she heard a rumor. Well, which. Which makes. <laughs> nice allusion to Umbrella Academy. Um, <laughs> which then takes us to what we learn later in the episode when Poppy tells olivia that he's going to take your kids so does she tell her kill him now and then you know he won't be able to take your kids so we we don't know and we don't find out at least in this episode what what uh she whispers right that's kind of representative i think of so many things in this episode that we saw from Hugh's point of view or someone else's point of view and now we're seeing basically the same scene except now we have more context the first time we uh we saw this scene we were like why she why she got a screwdriver's throat and we just chalked it up to olivia is losing her sanity right that's what steven believed Um, and now we see that well she's very well still losing her sanity but we have more context to what led up to that right and what that leads into it is an exchange she has with her children and fred brings it up in his feedback when nell asks olivia what if i dream that you kill us I'm like whoa yeah what child is going to ask that and of course well, that, that's the thing it's not the child right it's it's olivia's mind speaking to herself sure but through it all we always have in the back of our minds wait a minute is this real or is it in her head and and of course we generally go with the fact that it is in her head but but still and then luke joins in and they start talking about her leading them into the dark which is going to in turn lead to emptiness and numbness Luke wonders whether he'll put poison into his body. So here's where it really gets creepy because we know exactly what that means. How could she possibly? I I mean, I guess this is kind of where I have like the issues with this and with the the kids and everything. And, um, you know, I don't know when to bring it up, but just this whole idea of, is, so if Abigail is like an actual person, she's just killed a little kid. Do, does Olivia get a pass because the house is messing with her? Right? Yeah. Or that's, 
Right. Or does she not? Is she a, a killer? Well, insane or not, you know, she's obviously a danger to herself and to her family. You know, do we kind of condemn Olivia then? Well, it's difficult not to, but then, you know, the points you, you raise, it's it's difficult to go all in on blaming her. I mean, I, I think a court would find her criminally insane and she would probably be institutionalized, you know, for, for that murder. But, you know, really, she was just collateral damage. I mean, for her, it was... I think really about killing Luke and Nell and ultimately herself. Abigail just happened to be there, but, but yes, uh, that that's a good question. And I guess I would have to say more. No, you don't get a pass. Yeah. And, I, I agree with that um, because, and, and part of this is, you know, just like her, just everything is so like methodical, right? Right. Like she's not, going around like a crazy person she she has a plan she um you know it's a multi-step plan she goes down she makes the tea why would you invite abigail along you know just like i feel like they they kind of want you to be like a little sympathetic towards her but when she kills a little kid it's just i don't have that that's really that sympathy for olivia here well, Especially when she comes back to the house. And she should have been gone. She never made it to her sister's house. She never went to her sister's house. She stayed in the hotel and she came back almost right away. Right. And, yeah. and you know, that, that conversation she has with Mrs. Hudson where they're talking about their children and the house. And, and Mrs. Hudson minces no words and suggests that the family leave as soon as possible. And maybe you should even leave sooner. But she brings Mrs. up. Dudley, the fa- you mean? I mean, Mrs. Dudley, who did I say? Miss Hudson. Oh, I don't even know. I have that in my notes. Mrs. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Mrs. Dudley. Um, and, and she makes a point that she doesn't allow her child into the house. And Olivia says, well, it's just a house. And we've known all along that Mrs. Dudley knows more about what's going on here than she's really let on. And we know that she homeschools her child, which, again, I think in many cases – parents homeschool their children because they don't want to let them out there in what they perceive to be this this uh dark world and and i get you know maybe you live in a uh, school district that you don't think the schools are that great but but and again i don't mean to generalize about people that homeschool their children but i guess i'm doing that anyway so you kind of so, are a little bit yeah right but there's that there parallel. are many reasons but but you're, you're absolutely right i think for someone to go through the effort of homeschooling which is a lot of effort um you know like you obviously are not psyched about what is out there and you'd rather the kids were in the home where they're safe from whatever rather than out there where they're not safe Right, and, and that parallel between Olivia's great fears and Mrs. Dudley's fear, and and you know, protecting her child as well. You know, they, they fit neatly together. But did you notice in, in that room? And I forget what you even call that room. You know, uh, Olivia mentions a house is big; it's hard to find a space for yourself. 
But there's this huge sculpture, which I yeah. presume to be Lita and the Swan. Yeah, yes. Which is, uh, you know, a, a myth where Zeus comes in the form of a swan, seduces Lita. Same night, she also has sex with her husband, and, and apparently she bears children from both unions. And then, of course, there's the uh, Project like, Lita from Orphan Black. Yeah, that, well, then that was um, Helen and Clytemestra. Yes. Were the, the children born of, of that marriage. So, um, you know, one who basically brings about the destruction of a great civilization and the other one who kills her husband and chill, chill. Clytemestra. Yes, right? Um, it, it, no, kills that... her husband. Kills her husband. And then Orestes and Electra hunt oh, her right. down and kill her. Exactly. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, there's still, there's, there's some, you know, thematic you know, relevancy there. Yeah. Now, you know, you mentioned the fact that we see some of these scenes for a second time, but with more context. And we now know why Olivia punches the mirror on the vanity that Stevie had refinished for her because she sees the reflections of adult Nell and Luke, both of whom look dead. And this is of course, after she sees them in that morgue like room. Right. You know, she could just look away. I don't think she really had to punch the mirror. Well, I, I, I agree. You, you and, can get up and walk out of the room. And, you know, that, you, you talk about whether Olivia gets a pass for, you know, the murder and, and, you know, that's a separate issue, but throughout the course of these discussions, we've been pretty hard on adult Steven and as we see more and more of these events of their experiences at Hill House, you know, you start to want to give the guy a pass. And it's, I mean, there's still more to go in this final episode, but my God, it's like he's elated one moment and then in a split second, he's terrified because his mother's, you know, he already knows his mother has issues. Mm-hmm. And I think like most kids, he's probably just hoping and praying that mom's okay and okay, she's happy. She's really digging this vanity I did for her. And then boom, she goes back yeah. the other way. So, I mean, just. So, yeah, right. right. We see that and we're like, okay, well, that would kind of justify Stephen's assessment of his mother and his family, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> Now, now we get several camera shots of the bottle of rat poison. One is when Hugh's down in the basement and he takes the plastic away. And, you know, at this point, he's not necessarily thinking about the rats or anything like that. But, of course, we're meant to see that bottle there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, uh, you know, you mentioned Olivia. She probably never had any intention of going to Janet's. Just, I guess, felt the need to get away from the family. Uh, for a bit but she comes home finds hugh sleeping on the couch goes to the basement gets the rat poison and the next thing you know we see shirley coming into the kitchen in the middle of the night and finds her mother with the tea set now we know where this is headed shirley is old enough to know something's not right and i'm thinking like go get your father go get your father and you know, God bless her. She does go wake her father up. 
right. and and she does the right thing. And and, and really, I, I think you could say she saves the lives of her twins. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, because well, yeah, I mean, all of them would have would be dead. You're right. Were it not for Shirley's and and uh, quick action. It's just, uh, you know, uh, obviously crying shame that she, you know, that they weren't quick enough to save poor Abigail. Right. I mean, so so we see Olivia get the twins. She's somewhat surprised to find Abigail in Luke's bed. And he says, see, I told you she was real. But again, just because Olivia sees her, we're still not buying in 100%. But going to have a tea party takes them to the red room whose door is now open and when one of them says oh you found the key mom says we are the key yeah and uh you know stuff Mm -hmm. is starting to fall into place for us now yeah absolutely so now the walls look old and moldy but this is the same room as her reading room you know you can tell by the molding not the mold the the molding and uh, i think they call it chair molding i never know what you call it i have some of it the, in my the, dining room uh yeah chair molding uh, rail molding i can't remember rail whatever it's called but yeah, yeah. and, and the then stuff you in the middle see, of the wall all right and, and the window is the same and the vertical pieces appear to be the same so again we're we're starting to put the pieces together she pours everybody tea and of course, we're sitting here horrified yeah. that you're going to poison these three innocent babies. Fortunately, you know the the you know the agony we're going through. It's like, well, the tea's hot; you have to blow on it. So they're all blowing on their tea, and every mm-hmm. time one of them raises the cup, it's like no, 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 right? But no, they're yeah. just going to blow on it. Abigail drinks first, and of course, the poison kicks in pretty quickly and you know we we mentioned shirley going to hugh he bursts in and just knocks everything off the table and then he shoves her into the wall so now we know how she got the contusion on the back of her head yes and not that we ever felt hugh would physically abuse his wife because that doesn't appear to be what hugh's about so here he had every reason to shove her out of the way, and it just happened that uh, yes. she hit her head on the wall. Right. No question. Right. Does then somehow see- she can't walk straight after that, too. Uh, yeah, I guess she twisted her ankle or something. But does Hugh see Abigail on the floor? And if yes, why doesn't he call 911? Well, see, because this- because this leads up to another issue that i think i'm going to save for the uh, spoiler zone okay um but uh, you know there's, there's definitely the have they been, yeah because he waited right we knew that that like, he waited the the cop tells him it was like like what like two hours it's like olivia been dead for two hours right. before hugh finally called them so right you know uh, from Knowing what we know and everything, obviously his first thought was to get his kids as far away from the house as he possibly could. And I get um, that. 
Now, right. it is 1992, so he doesn't have a cell phone. Yeah, I, no, I get no that as well. I, again, I guess we're going to give him a pass. He's, he's terrified what he's seen. You know, his first inclination is to save his own children, and, and you know, he gets them out. But before he gets there, I guess those are all the Hill ghosts that have assembled in the hall, and we assume that we're seeing what he sees. Of course, he grabs Stevie, and and again, another scene that we've seen already, but now we have context, is, is when the handle is turning and Hughes inside, he and Stevie haven't left yet. Well, now we know it's Olivia turning the handle. Right, which obviously it's way scarier in episode one when we have no idea who's on the other side but but right. but yeah that's uh that's that right. it's uh here it's, it's, it's cool how they did poppy right so. right and right. so when we know who who's turning the handle it's it's not scary at all um but it certainly is you know uh certainly is uh suspenseful Right. Now, we see that old woman who is Hazel Hill, who, who turns out to be Poppy's sister-in-law, and tells Olivia that she lies, meaning, meaning Poppy. We assume she's referring to Poppy telling her that Hugh's going to take away her kids. Well, he is taking away her kids. I mean, we see that. Um, now, Luke claims to see Abigail in the window, and poppy tells olivia that he's killing them and, and of driving them into the dark you know things are are really reaching just a fever pitch which makes the final scene and the final sequence just so great but olivia returns to the red room and finds abigail dead on the floor and as she sees her standing in the doorway wearing a different dress which right. was sort of similar to the one that her mom was wearing during that earlier conversation with Olivia. So do we make that leap that Abigail is uh, Mrs. Dudley's daughter, which, you know, given everything we know about Mrs. Dudley and how she homeschools her child, she, you know, keeps tight reins on her. How could this child, you know, possibly. Yeah. We pretty much figure out, I think that that is, the case right. yeah right because she they said how she snuck out yeah uh, she doesn't want to get in trouble um you know she lives in the woods uh we know the dudleys live through the woods right. so yeah we're pretty certain that the, that if abigail is well i mean I, I, at this point we know she's a a real person who was really killed and that she is the dudley's daughter Right. But the woman that takes Abigail by the hand and then leads yeah. her away from the red room, obviously this is something that Olivia sees. Is this just, you know, okay, this is okay. On the one hand, I've got this dead child that I am pretty sure I killed on the floor. So is my mind now showing me what I really hope is the truth, which is... No, she's just going away with this woman, whoever, excuse me, whoever she is. I don't know. But she starts to descend the staircase, stops, and is pleading that she wants to wake up. And we see Poppy with her. 
And though it appears Olivia walks to the edge herself, at first I'm wondering, well, does Poppy give her a push or is she about to stop her? And I've looked at it a couple of times. She doesn't make contact. Right. Right. Unlike that, uh, the dude on the Rams, uh, she's not making (laughs) illegal contact. Um, so yeah, it, it appears that whereas when we see Nell, uh, her quote unquote suicide, Olivia like pushed her, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas here, uh, looks like Poppy is either going to reach out to pull her back or push her or just reach out to touch her. Uh, but it's, you know, she doesn't have an effect and it seems like Olivia does this all on her own. Right. And we can't definitively say what she was going to do. But as you said, it doesn't matter. Olivia did this on her own. And, yeah. and then, of course, we see her lying on the floor, blood sweeping, uh, seeping away from the body. And it was just uh, that sickening thud that we hear. Yeah. yeah. And, we, and we don't see it. But uh, but then we get the flashback to the day that the family arrives at Hill House full of joy, excitement and all the promise that that goes into rehabbing this house and they talk about how we're going to be rich when we end up selling it and and flipping it the kids are excited they're running up to the bedrooms and and you know they think they're going to pick out their own but of course the parents already say they've done that for them but Hugh asks Liv if she's coming to follow the kids and it's all you, she tells him somewhat prophetically. You guys go on without me. And it's pretty chilling, you know, yeah. not, given what we know. Right. Well, and then that, Hugh says, you know, how can we? Or how could we? Right. Right. You know. And, and then that final visual with Olivia standing at the bottom of the stairs looking up as Hugh goes after the kids. And, and we've really come full circle because we know we just saw her lying dead near the bottom of the stairs. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I, I really like this episode a lot. Uh, I'm going to s- stick with my A, but anything you want to bring up that we, we haven't mentioned yet? Well, so just the, uh, I forgot to mention with the, the screwdriver scene, Hugh's like, you're holding an effing screwdriver to my throat. She says, uh, no, I wasn't. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, ah, she should, she should go work for the trump administration with skills like that you know like <laughs> um but yeah sorry to get political on you people it's just i thought it was a funny joke um i, I think that's it you know i i'm gonna stick with the a minus i just really okay. the just the, the 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 scene with abigail her death just and and the fact that olivia in one episode and i guess I, I I don't know if they meant to do this or not, but to turn her from someone who we liked a lot and had a lot of sympathy for to someone we really don't have that sympathy for at all. And and even though, yes, she's being affected by the house, I just it just seems like she really wasn't fighting it very hard. And I just okay. you know kind of go back to the you know she doesn't even bother going to her sister Janet's house. You know, she barely leaves and she comes straight back and she kills an innocent child. And it's just terrible. And I just, 
I, I just at the end of it, I just have like a really kind of like a sick feel, a sick feeling in my stomach that I just didn't like. It was it was a good episode, I gotta admit, but I just yeah, I just didn't like that. Okay, well, fair enough. So, all right, well, let's go over to listener feedback. So eight, I'm and, sorry, eight minus. Did I say that? Okay, you did. And and hear what uh, Fred has to say about this week's episode. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Hunting Up Hill House, episode 9. First off, I shortly want to come back to something you said, Dave, in the Travelers Season 3, episode 10 podcast. Been diving deep into the Ministry of Time. I, I finished the first season last night, so it's it's really getting pretty good, and I don't know how the show Timeless talked its way out of a lawsuit, but <laughs> dude... And I have to say, I like it too, Dave. You gave me the tip before you were mentioning it in the podcast. I'm quite a Timeless fan and like that show a lot. So I had a look at this and indeed it's it's very nice. I've seen uh, four episodes now and I'm sure I'm going to watch further. Although it gives me quite some difficulties because it seems to be on the U- in the US on Netflix, but here in the Netherlands it's not. So I have to watch it with the Spanish audio and the English subtitles. Of course, I can read English subtitles, but sometimes it's just too much and it goes too fast. So I have to pause every now and then to get what is said. And I don't understand one word, well, perhaps one or ten words of Spanish. But still, I'm enthusiastic about this series. And with this handicap, it soon gets annoying. So it means it's a good series. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it like that. One other thing is that I was very much pleased by your idea to give your Patreons the possibility to give a suggestion for a episode to podcast about of any genre or sci-fi series they want to. So I had some difficulties to think of something, not in the sense that I couldn't think of something, but there were so many things on my list. So I won't tell here what I chose, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's not Orphan Black, it's not True Calling, and it's not Westworld. So, we will see. Thank you very much for the idea. Okay, one topic from the previous podcast. You had a discussion about who was in the backseat of Shirley and Theo's car. Oh, oh hold on. You, you think that was Nell in the backseat? Was it not? Well, I guess I always thought it was Olivia. Well, it surely wasn't Olivia. I put some screenshots on the Facebook page from episode 8 and 9. I even think it could be Poppy. Have a look. Okay, about the episode. Of course, this was a very Olivia-oriented episode. And I liked it a lot that we now see scenes that we had seen from the memories of the other members of the Crane family. And we see it now from Olivia's standpoint. Of course, this makes it a little cheaper for the makers of it, being able to use the same scenes twice, but that didn't disturb me. It was really nicely done, I think. I loved the manipulative interaction between Poppy and Olivia. Very nice interaction and very creepy as well. All the time you have the idea she is manipulating Olivia and what she will she do? What kind of seeds will she put into Olivia's brain and what will she eventually do? Well, at the end of the episode, we see what she will do. I was horrified. 
not by something that played in the episode, but actually about what the makers of this episode, what the director of this episode put these child actors through. The words that Nell and Luke say, in the, and especially the little Nell, amazing uh, acting, by the way, by this girl, having a lot of text, but what she's saying is so horrifying that I almost can't imagine what it must be to let a child say these words. Hey. I love you so much. I love you too. Now I want you two to get good rest. What if I have a bad dream? Like what? Like the old bentneck lady? As a little blonde girl in the woods? Not the bentneck lady. What if I have a worse dream? Well, I'm sure we can handle any dream you have. What if I dream that you kill us? What? What if I dream that you send us away into the dark and we get hurt? Really hurt? You send us away out into the dark and my heart breaks right in half and I can't feel anything happy for weeks and months and years until I can't stand it anymore and I, I have to die. And what if I'm so sad and scared of the dark out there that I put poison in me? I poison myself for years and years until my blood turns into poison and my body breaks down. You send us out there into the dark, and the dark gets us. A piece at a time, over years and years and years, until I'm on a silver table. It's my jaw wired shut, and Luke is dead and cold on the floor, with a needle in his arm. And it was you that killed us, because you sent us out there. In the night. In the dark. The young actress that plays uh, young now is Violet McGraw, and she is born in 2011. So she's seven years old when she plays this, when she has to say these words. Well, she was also in Ready Player One, directed by Steven Spielberg. Some kids just start early. And Julian Hilliard, who is playing young Luke, is of the same age, also 2011 and only two months younger than Violet. So, in that sense, they are a good twin. In real life, they are indeed more or less the same age. And since I found this a major topic, I won't give other feedback here, because otherwise it takes too much time. Greetings till the final episode of The Hunting of Hill House, and we will see if we will see the Green family back in the season two follow-up, which is the hunting of Bly Manor. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, good stuff. Uh, as usual, uh, he mentions Ministry of Time, and I'm 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 halfway through uh, season two of that, and and uh, you know. He, he has the burden that he has to read the English subtitles, and, and while he speaks awesome English, it's, it's not his natural language, so it probably takes him uh, a little bit uh, longer. And, and then he brings up you know, the, the discussion we were having about who appears in Shirley's car in Episode 8 as uh, she and Theo are arguing, and uh, he posted an analysis on the Facebook page and... If you haven't been there, definitely check it out. But yeah, he, he uh, says we had discussion, but I don't know if we had discussion. It's just simply, I was right, 
and you were wrong. So <laughs> exactly, but, yeah. but we didn't we didn't come to that firm decision until after we were done recording, right. as we were both sitting at our True. computers still talking uh, yeah. and and rewatching that scene where we determined that uh, yeah, you were in fact right about that. He loved, as I think both of us, the the manipulation between Poppy and Olivia. And, you know, he asks, does Poppy succeed in Olivia killing herself? And I I guess I would have to say yes. Uh, Would Olivia have killed herself had it not been for Poppy? And while I think she has that fear that most mothers probably have of letting their children go out into the real world, it maybe hadn't reached irrational levels yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's completely irrational. And, and, you know, the irony of, you know, Poppy says you need to wake them up by which she means wake them up. She means kill them. Um, right. But, but somehow that means like that they will, well, what was like the, that, that cult that thought that they were going to go up into the um, spaceship. And so they all killed each killed themselves and there there was no spaceship you know like um you know she feels like or she buys into poppy's lines that somehow death is some kind of liberating thing or some kind of transcendent thing now now fred brings up the exchange that that we talked about between the uh the, the two twins you know when mom comes in and you know what if I dream that you kill us? And Fred brings up, and I think this is something that you've certainly talked about over the years on the podcast about your feeling about scenes where young children are placed in dangerous positions and and asked to do things. And even though we know they are actors, you know, Fred brings up feeling a little uneasy about two seven-year-olds articulating these lines which yeah. are pretty horrific in and of themselves and I, I fred i i agree with you i don't know what to say about it i mean it, it it does serve the story so they're not gratuitous lines it's, it's not a gratuitous scene but yeah i still it it, it is a little yeah it, I, it is a little off-putting i i See, you say it's not gratuitous, and I think it kind of is. Like, and here, I mean, this is exactly my problem with this episode. I think they got that idea across that this was just a little too, like, you know, hitting us over the head with a sledgehammer. Basically, I get it. You've you've expressed this theme a number of times throughout. Um, now you can't deny the emotional power of that and how just really upsetting and creepy and and horrible it is that these young kids say these things but i you know this was i, I think I, I agree with fred here i got to that that this is just kind of a little beyond and i don't think that scene was particularly necessary i think they've already had beaten us over the head with this theme throughout the whole episode um and this is just kind of to have little kids say this is just, I, I saw it's kind of like a cheap ploy. Um, well, well, the only thing I would say that I, I feel why it was valuable and, and important to the story is when Luke mentions 
about putting poison in his arm and Nell mentioning being on the metal table because those are things that they couldn't possibly know that Olivia couldn't possibly right. know at that point. Yeah, true. Which, which then throws us back to that, well, is it supernatural or... You know, is it? Well, it's got to be. It's got to be supernatural, right? It's it's like the right, well, right, the bent neck right. lady. You know, it's like it's not natural for you to see your own death throughout your whole life. You know, just like it's right. not natural for you to be able to know exactly how your kids are going to, how their lives are going to be like. You know, twenty years from now. All right. Anything else about uh, Fred's feedback that you want to bring up? Um, you know, just I was wondering, like, kind of as Fred did, suggesting they were saving money. I was, I was wondering if they actually did film. You know, did they know ahead of time? And I guess probably they probably did have all ten episodes scripted out that they would have it planned out that they could film all these scenes at the same time, even though some of them they showed in episode one and some they showed in episode ten. Yeah, I would certainly think so. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of cool. All right. Well, Fred, thank you and uh, look forward to hearing what you have to say for the final episode. But that's going to lead us to the spoiler zone. And, and obviously, with only one episode remaining, we don't have a lot that hasn't already been talked about. But if you have not seen the season finale, stop here and come back next week. So, all right. Now, the only thing I want to bring up for the spoiler zone goes back to that question at first i'm thinking all right does olivia actually poison abigail and 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 i think the answer is yes she does but my problem and even though you reminded us that hugh waited two hours before calling the police when the detective questions hugh it's all about olivia he doesn't mention finding a dead child he does he He does? does yeah Oh, okay. He says something that. about the other body. Oh, you're right, and uh, exactly. And we we're uh, at the time. It's like, uh, all right, what other body? I, I uh, right. good point. Okay. Very, um, yeah, not not entirely innocently um, mentioned that how the cops mention another body. Yeah. Okay. Well, even having said that, then does it surprise you that Hugh? is let off the hook. I mean, I, I, I guess, I, I guess they're able to forensically determine that his wife, right. His you know, wife put, put the poison the in the cups. Right. And, 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 and I guess they probably interviewed the kids and yeah, yes, mommy brought the tea set. So, okay. I guess that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So, okay. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't really have anything else I wanted to bring up. Um, well, except that, you know, Abigail is, we know she is definitely the Dudley's kid and right. which is just really sad. And I don't think we get that scene, like the, the grieving parent scene, which is as just as bad for me as the, you know, the, the kid dying scene. Um, sure. we do, you know, as you said, the red room that, you know, where they are is, you know, the, the tree house and the game room for Steven and the dance room for Theo and the reading room for Shirley is, uh, you know, all the red room. Yep. 
And, and interestingly, uh, just, it, Hugh never seems to go in that room. Right. You know, so this is a room that always seems to provide something that the individual needs. What does that say about Hugh? I mean, maybe it says something good about him that he has everything he needs, which is his family around him. Sure. So, or he's just, you know, he doesn't really have time for leisure, right? I mean, it seems to be a well, that room too. where you go for leisure activities like reading or gaming or or dancing to eighties videos and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, yeah. good point. Yeah, or yeah, and he just doesn't he doesn't have any leisure time he spends all his time working on the house so okay anything else yeah no i mean it's just the, the abigail thing is just i'm sure we'll talk about it. it's just so tragic just so terrible yeah just like to to knowing what's going to happen to watch it again is is tough yeah it's tough but so. uh but yeah but it's yeah pretty good episode okay one more right. well we'll leave it there and we've got one more to go but that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about The Haunting of Hill House, The Demise of Travelers, anything else going on in genre TV. If you are one of the patrons, you know, hit us up. Let us know what show you'd like us to cover. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. Emails can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to talk about The Haunting of Hill House season finale, season one, episode 10, titled Silence Lay Steadily. But until then. You know, Dave, there's a lot of talk in the, around here, around these parts of the Preakness maybe going from you know Baltimore to, to Laurel, which I hope doesn't happen. I, I hope it, it stays at Pimlico, but we'll see. But I, yeah, I just remember the last time I was at Preakness, just really, there was this horse there called poor stevie i remember and i just like i just had a really good feeling about this horse man i put like all my money on it and of course he just totally barely finished the race off i just remember thinking at the end of it i may have put too much on poor stevie <laughs>